Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. This is the Tom Bernard Morning Show. The Tom Bernard Morning Show. Streamed every morning on the Tom Bernard Show app and anytime on demand wherever you get your podcasts. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. Craig Gass in studio with us. Six shows this weekend at New Hope Cinema Grill. Looking forward to that. Now, Craig, I don't know the answer to this. Um, did you ever appear on The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson? Was that too far before your time? False alarm here, Tom. AJ here. Uh, Amy and Craig both uh, hopped out to the lounge here. They're just getting back to their seats now, so not back oh. on the mic. Yeah, yeah, it's just, oh, hey, well, you and I are the yeah. only ones that decided to work today. Yeah, you know, shoulder to the wheel, you and Sorry, me guys. and the rest of them. <laughs> We're getting yeah, coffee. We'll We're getting coffee. Oh, well. So I did have a question, Craig. Yes. Did you, did you ever appear on The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson? Never appeared. He was. Uh, I, I was so. just getting started in stand-up when he um, signed off. The reason I asked that question, he would have loved you. My, yeah. He would have loved everything about you, the, your act and your. You as a human being. Yeah. He would have. Yeah, and uh, I love that I made friends with so many of his favorites, including the one that blew my mind was the first time I met Tom. I came in. I, re I remember this so clearly. I was scheduled to come on for one break because they said, God, these are great stories, but who are you? And um, <laughs> so, so they brought me in. It was a whatever day it was that I came in to do Tom's show. They brought me in in the nine o'clock hours, the end of the show. And I think it was going to be like the last break or the last two breaks or something. And we got along so well that Tom said, what are you doing tomorrow? And he, and he had me come back in the next day, and I came in for the whole show the next day. I think it was like a Thursday and Friday. And then at the end of that show, he said, what are you doing in November? <laughs> he said, we, we, go to, we go to Vegas every year in November, oh, yeah. and we do this thing. Would, would you want to come to Vegas? And I was like, I would, I'd love to go anywhere. Sure. <laughs> and so he, he brings me to Vegas to sit in on his show in Vegas and doesn't say this to me. Nobody said this to me up front. He goes, yeah, I think, I think we're going to be joined by some friends. I, I think that Louie Anderson's coming. And Louie just yep. walked over oh. and sat down. And in that moment, um, uh, Frank Caliendo happened to be there as well. Yep. And oh, yeah. Louie goes, uh, I love this guy. This guy's so good. He's, he's, he's the best. <laughs> He's the best, best in the world. This guy, this guy is so good. And and then um, and they go. Oh, and, and by the way, Tom says, uh, and this is Craig Gass. He also does voices. And Louis goes, Oh, hi, nice, nice to meet you. And then uh, we go on and on and on. Then I start jumping in as different celebrities. And Louis goes, Are you the guy that does the the Tracy Morgan? Oh my God, this guy's the best in the world. I mean, Frank, you're good. But he's amazing. Ooh. Like, <laughs> I couldn't believe it. Couldn't, oh. I, I don't think he meant for it to come out like that. Ouch. But no. man, was <laughs> Louis amazing. In fact, it got even crazier. On the spot, 
Louis says uh, he, he comes in, he's promoting some shows he's doing at, at a theater. I want to say it was called the State Theater. Yeah. Yep. 5,000 yep. seats. Yep. He goes, uh, he goes, yeah, I'm doing this. Hey, you should open up for me. And I go, oh, I would God. love to. And, and then at the end of the oh. show, he goes, yeah, call this guy. We'll put it together. Well, yeah, you're so talented. Yeah, I love to have you. <laughs> love to have you. And then I called. The guy put the, and I was like, what the fuck is going on with people from Minnesota? They're so nice. We're just so nice. They're so nice. And I came back and did two shows in one night. Two months later, we did two shows. And I remember Louis, uh, Louis said, you know, please don't curse. Just don't curse when you go up there. And I go, right. okay, no problem. Right. Then he had, he had a guy with him who was a manager or a handler of some kind. We said, yeah, can you please not curse? And I said, no problem. I'll do a clean set. But when I walked out on stage in front of 5,000 people, I went, oh, fuck. Like, <laughs> I just, I just yep. not, you know, it was just in I, a moment. It was genuine. By the way, um, I always remember <laughs> on that trip, Louis had a guy that op- that was his opener or like we used to write from. Was it Jeff? Mm-hmm. Jeff Cesario? Was that his name? Oh, you know Jeff him. Cesario, yeah. Jeff Cesario? Yep. And Jeff used to work with Dennis Miller? Yep. Right? He okay. Did. Produced his show. I shouldn't have said his name because I'm about to tell a story that. Maybe I not love flattering. Jeff, by the way. He's Jeff, a dear friend of mine. Jeff is amazing. And uh, so Jeff and I and Louie are in a car heading over to the State Theater for oh, sound God. check. And I'm talking to Jeff. I'm getting to know him. And I go, yeah, I know who you are. You used to perform where I started at the Comedy Underground in Seattle. And he, I, he's telling me about his, um, his career, which includes working with Dennis Miller. Yep. And I said, um, is Dennis... An asshole? Like I've I've heard that he's not nice. <laughs> and Jeff goes, Yeah. I mean he He goes, you know, he I will say this. There was one time that we were doing the Larry King show in Washington, DC. Oh Jesus. He God. said, I'm with Dennis Miller. We walk out of the Larry King show and there's this long walkway to a limo. And next to the limo is a guy standing with a stack of Dennis Miller books. He has a Dennis Miller hat on, and he somehow got the Dennis Miller Letterman jacket that we handed out to the staff when we used to have our show on Fox. Uh, Dennis, uh, for a brief time, had a late night show on Fox. And uh, he said, "I, I see this guy, this super fan, and I go, man, this guy is about to have the worst experience of his life. And he said, we walk out to the limo, and to my surprise, Dennis Miller goes, hey, buddy, what's going on? You want me to sign those books for you? Here, give me a Sharpie. I'll write these down. He starts signing all the books, signs the albums. You want to take a picture? Come on, let's take some pictures. Me and you, let's do it. <laughs> Takes pictures with him. He's unbelievably nice. He signs everything the guy has, jumps in the limo, and they take off, and Cesario says he looks at Dennis and goes, man, that was that was nice how you uh, treated that guy, you know? And he said, Dennis looked at him and said, oh, the guy outside the limo, you didn't think he was retarded? <laughs> Wow. He thought the guy was mentally retarded. Uh-oh. And that's why he was nice to him. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> Jesus. Like, wow, something's wrong with this guy. This is so this guy's harder and- harder to get off than Martha Stewart on a bed of dirty sheets. Come on, folks. Yeah. 
What is Dennis Miller doing now? I mean, I, I don't know what he's doing right now. He's just sort of it feels like he disappeared. He he. Uh, I know he did the podcast with uh, with Spade and Carvey uh, a few months ago. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't think he's out doing stand-up, but I mean, he's one of the most brilliant comedians that's, that's Oh, God, ever. yes. I mean, that's an understatement. I would listen to Dennis Miller and understand what words meant by the way he used them in a sentence. Mm-hmm. I would go, oh, well, that, that must mean this, you know? Uh, was Dennis a regular on your show as well? On my show? Yeah, did he, did he ever come in and... He appeared on the show once on the telephone. It lasted 30 seconds. Really? Because I asked him a question he didn't want to answer, and he just basically said, fuck you, and hung up on me. Wow. Wow. So then when I met him years later, I brought that up to him because I'm about twice his size, and he wasn't such a tough guy then. (laughs) No, he was never friendly to me. I mean, never. It was weird. Well, I'm glad. Yeah. I'm on, I'm glad that you're saying that because it backs up the story that I just told. Yeah. So, yeah. And the weird thing is, Jeff Cesari and I have been friends for 35, 40 years. So I, I would think that his producer, being a really good friend of mine, he might back off a little bit. But no, he. I guess he didn't think I was retarded. Wow. Maybe that's the problem. <laughs> yeah, Dennis. Big is, difference. He's uh, he's always had that reputation of um, of. Uh, not being a warm person, so no, he's not. But I tell you what, Cesario, you couldn't find it. Out. I know I do this way too often, but I have to do it for Craig because it's one of my favorite stories. Because I do love Jeff Cesario. Did you ever hear the story where he met Rodney for the first time? No, but I love Rodney stories. And again, I apologize because I do tell this story all the time because I love it so much, and I'm sorry. But so <laughs> Cesario tells me. He's in studio, I don't know, a couple of years ago, whatever. And he had, uh, many, many years earlier, flown out to Los Angeles from Minneapolis-St. Paul to uh, start producing things, writing things, you know, doing all the great stuff. And he flies out there. The day he gets there, he starts walking around L.A. with, uh, with uh, Jerry Seinfeld. Oh, wow. Right? Because they had become friends, so they're walking around. And Seinfeld says to him, hey, Rodney's down at the, uh, Rodney Dangerfield's down at the comedy store. You, would you like to meet Rodney Dangerfield? He goes, God, I'd love to meet Rodney Dangerfield. Oh my my first day in L.A. This is going to be unbelievable. And again, I apologize. I know I tell the story way too much, but I love this story. I've never heard the story before, so. Okay, so as they're walking toward the comedy store, just as they get there, Rodney comes out the door, and he's headed to his limousine. And Seinfeld calls out, Rodney, Rodney, uh, I'd like to introduce you to somebody. He's brand new in town. Uh, uh, he's from the Midwest, Wisconsin, uh, Minnesota. He just, uh, it's his first day in town. He's uh, here to, to do some comedy. He's going to do some producing. He's going to do some writing. Very, very talented young uh, guy, young comedian. Rodney, meet Jeff Cesario. And Rodney looks at him. He goes, Cesario, huh? <laughs> Italian, huh? Stick to the tumbling. <laughs> All Italians are acrobats, apparently. <laughs> oh my God, I love Rodney's stories. You know what? I'm, I do too. I, I have um, there. There's two stories that uh, Norm Macdonald loved to tell. Yep. That I'm realizing in this forum, I can tell this uncensored. Uh, the first one was, uh, I mean, it's a clean story. It was the first one, which was Norm was a huge fan of, of Rodney. And the first time he ever saw Rodney in person was at the Improv. He was still a, um, an up-and-coming comedian. And when Rodney showed up from his wedding, he had just gotten married, and he, he stopped by the Improv on Melrose 
to do a set and showed up in a tux and they said, uh, ladies and gentlemen, we have a surprise guest straight from his wedding. Please welcome Rodney Dangerfield. And the place goes nuts. Rodney shows up and he goes, hey, I just got married. Hey. And then everybody, ah. And then he points to his wife who's in her bridal gown. There's my wife right there, everybody. Ah. And, and she's waving to the crowd. Everybody gives her a big round of applause. They, they stand up for her and give her a round of applause. And as they're starting to settle down, Rodney goes, yeah. She's no prize. (laughs) (laughs) And starts laying into her. And according to Norm, she was still standing and waving in her bridal gown when he started shitting on her. With a slightly sadder face as he went on. And the other story, which is a funny story. It's got a funny punchline to it, but it's so full of sadness to me, which is that um, Rodney showed up to do a hit on Weekend Update. Now Norm is a successful comedian. He's on Saturday Night Live doing Weekend Update. And Rodney was really annoyed that he had to show up for dress rehearsal. Every Saturday night at Saturday Night Live, they do a live show from 8 o'clock at night until 10.30. They do a a a two-and-a-half-hour show in front of a live studio audience. And based on what works and what doesn't, they trim an hour off the top, and they do a 90-minute show live on TV. Um, so they actually do two performances on Saturday night, at every, every uh, Saturday night at SNL. And Ronnie didn't want to show up for the rehearsal. He's like, I don't understand. Why do I have to show? He's sitting in, in Norm's dressing room. Why do I have to rehearse? And, and Norm goes, you know, it's, it's just what they do. You know, we have to rehearse this. And, and they're still deciding. They might add some jokes. They might cut some jokes. They just want to see how it goes over in front of, of a live audience. And it got really quiet, and, and he said that Ronnie went... It's all shit. It's all shit. No. <laughs> TV. I just love him. TV, movies. It's all shit. Com- <laughs> Comedy. That's what we got. Comedy. It's all we got. The rest of it is shit. And then it was silent for two minutes, and he said, Ronnie goes, Eh, comedy shit, too. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, okay. (laughs) Which, Uh. it makes me laugh, but I'm like, man, how can you be that down? Down and cynical. Even um, uh, Mark Maron had stories about Rodney... Would, oh, would, sure. would refer to it as I got the downs. I'm just I'm feeling the downs today. Oh. He, was, he was a very down guy. Did you ever have Rodney on? Did you ever? Uh, oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. My favorite appearance though. Did you ever meet Joan, his wife? Yes. In fact, I wonderful didn't, person. I, yes, she had me. I met her once. She had me over to the house. Showed me his notes. He had he had a booklet of notes of. Every TV appearance he ever did, he scripted the whole thing. And the, the top of each note started with, what a crowd, and in parentheses, times two. <laughs> wow. And if you think about it, every show, hey, what a crowd, what a crowd. Yeah, yeah that's, that's right. right. He, it's, and it, he wrote that down, what a crowd, times two. Yeah. I mean. One of my yeah, favorite story of mine. So Rodney dies. God, how many years ago is that now? Oh, oh man, it's, it's. I'll look it up. What early two thousands, something like that? Maybe yeah, mid two thousands. Yeah, mid two thousands. Yeah, somewhere in there. But it was a, it was a magnificent thing. I was well. It had to be within the last. Uh, oh, so it four. had to be shorter than that. So he died in two thousand four. Wow, nineteen years. 
oh my God, because he, I get a call from Joan one day and she said, Tom, this is off the air. So Tom, I found one of Rodney's old sports coats in, in the back of a closet. It was just kind of hanging on a hook in the back of the closet. And I reached in the pockets, and there are all these jokes he had written down by hand. And I don't think he ever used any of them on stage. So I thought I would call you and do them on your show. I said, what? She said, yeah, I found all these jokes in Rodney's, one of Rodney's old coats. Do you mind if I do the jokes for you? I said, Joan, I would love this. It's so nice of you to think of me. I really appreciate it. She goes on and she, instead of, so in other words, if she had done the Cesario one, this is how she would have done it. This is her reading Rodney's material. Some of the jokes, by the way, were funny Mm -hmm. and I had never heard them. So we never got around to them. Hmm. But she's literally going, so I'll use that one example that I, I just told the story. She's reading on it. She goes, okay, Tom, you ready? <clears throat> Clears her throat, and she goes, Cesario, huh? Italian, huh? Stick to the tumbling. Oh, <laughs> so she's oh reading the no. Jokes like that. Oh, <laughs> no. It was so sweet, though. Uh, it was just very, very sweet. Of course. Wow. But, I mean, that's, that's the thing. i got to be honest with you, Craig. Um, comedians to me, I get along with comedians as well or better than any other guests we have on the air. I just, I've loved comedy. Again, you have kind of a miserable existence as a kid. You're going to turn to comedy. You want to laugh. You want to be entertained. I, I, it's one of the greatest things about getting into radio and doing a talk show is I, well, apparently, and I didn't know this, Craig, but apparently over at the queue in 19... 87, I think it was. We were the first morning show in America that had comedians come in at least twice a week. No shit. They just didn't used to let comedians on the radio because wow. they just didn't think comedy on the radio was funny. Wow. I'm like, what? Wow. So, I mean, all these people would show up and they would all come in and it was just a, a magnificent existence. So, I just, all of those things to have met Joan, I, I'm assuming Joan's still around. I'm hoping she is anyway. I was just looking at I believe so. You know what? I was going to say, just, just bringing her up, I, I realized I need to text her and reach out to her because I'm going to do a show in Hollywood soon at the Comedy Store, and I wanted to reach out and have her come out to the show. She was so nice to me. We did an event. Sweetheart. They yep. opened up a Rodney Dangerfield Institute in Los Angeles a few years ago. It's a school that you can go to now. It's part of L.A. Community College where you can learn how to be a comedy writer uh, and uh, and do stand-up comedy. You can actually take classes now, and it's called the Rodney Dangerfield Institute. And to commemorate the grand opening, they did a live stage reading of Back to School, where Brad Garrett... Oh, God. Yeah, Brad Garrett played uh, Rodney, and Brad Garrett does a phenomenal Rodney impression. And they had me read for Sam Kinison's part as Professor Turgeson, which um, I rediscovered. And, and there's so much hostility in Sam before he even starts screaming. He's so tense when they open that scene up in the class where he, his teeth are gritted. I, uh, I take history very seriously. Like the preacher takes the Bible seriously. I take history that seriously. Like a farmer takes his land very seriously. I take it that seriously. This is a very serious thing for me. So can anybody tell me why it is that we pulled out of Vietnam? And then he just, you can just feel the tension. Like, you better get this answer correctly. Because if you don't, I'm going to snap like a twig. And, um, and just rediscovering all of Rodney's 
uh, material. There's a great line at the beginning of that movie that I think is one of the funniest things I've ever heard where he's doing a commercial for his big and tall shop and it opens with, hey, are you fat? <laughs> and he's got he's got three examples of uh, of how you might be fat. And the last one is, when you look at a menu, do you say, okay? <laughs> God. I loved him. I, me too. Me too. I mean, he, he really was. And, you know, he was famous for unintentionally exposing himself to everybody. He always had a bathrobe on. And for some reason, he had very long testicles that like to always pop out. Uh, through the middle. <laughs> Great. Yeah, Carla Bo has a story about uh, going to uh, Rodney's house before him and Sam became famous. And um, and they knocked on the door, and the assistant opened the door, and they said, hey, we're Carl, Sam, we're here to help uh, Rodney write some material. And she goes, oh, yeah, come on in. And Rodney's asleep on the couch with a robe on. And she goes, Rodney, Carl and Sam are here? And he goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he, puts one leg over the couch and one oh. testicle just droops over the side. <laughs> and apparently, according to Carl, the assistant turned around and looked at them and said, would you like a peach? <laughs> <laughs> we I mean, have to take a break. Oh. We'll be right back in a couple of minutes. Phil Mackey from Score North joining us right after this. At the new Tom Bernard Morning Show, we're pretty low-key. We talk in regular voices. Well, except for Tom's, which is all like, You're a disaster. But we don't get all hypey and stuff. However, we are doing a contest called Pick Your Prize. You could win $10,000 worth of yard machines from Tri-State Bobcat. $10,000 worth of machines. It's pretty hard not to get excited about $10,000 worth of lawn machines, including a zero-turn mower, a walk-behind mower, snowblower, string trimmer, leaf blower, chainsaw, and more. Or a $10,000 Cub Foods gift card. And all you have to do is register on the Tom Bernard Show app, which you already have, right? Well, if not, download it. No big deal. Then register. Every time you open the app between now and March 31st, you'll be entered in the $10,000 Pick Your Prize contest. That's it. Download the Tom Bernard Show app. It's free, and it's in your app store. Win $10,000 worth of yard machines from Tri-State Bobcat, a $10,000 Cub gift card, and so much more. See it all on the Tom Bernard Show app. Tom Bernard here. You might not know this about me and about my family, but we're kind of Nissan strong. I say that because I own a Nissan Altima from Walzer Nissan. I love it. My son Andy owns a Nissan Rogue Sport from Walzer Nissan. And my daughter-in-law, Melissa, yup, you guessed it, drives a Nissan Kicks. And Cart's grandson, Ethan, safely around town, also purchased at Walzer Nissan. You want to know who else is Nissan strong in the Twin Cities? Walzer Nissan and their trifecta of stores. Down south, GM Dan Resch at Walzer Nissan in Burnsville. West of the Metro, just off Highway 12 and Wyzetta Boulevard is Casey Novotny's Walzer Nissan Wyzetta. And in Coon Rapids, north side of Highway 10 and around Lake Boulevard, Jay Buck runs the show at this Nissan store. This month at all three Nissan dealerships score 0% financing on Rogues, Altimas, and Pathfinders with up to $1,500 available loyalty cash on select models. Nissan strong and loyal like me. Me and my family. Even if you're just Nissan curious, go to Walzer.com and select the Walzer Nissan store nearest you. I'm due for an oil change. Maybe I'll see you there. 0% financing for 36 months, $27 per month per 1,000 finance on approved credit. Progressive presents Adjusting to the Suburbs. You just bought a home in the suburbs, but no one told you about all the birds, specifically this one, who seems to be calling out Roy. Roy. But who exactly is Roy? And why doesn't he ever respond? 
Maybe Roy is just bird speak for save with Progressive by bundling your home and auto. I guess until Roy answers, we'll never know. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company coverage provided in service by affiliates and third-party insurers. This is the Tom Bernard Morning Show Podcast. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. Amy, you just sent me something. That, that, ear, eerie is quite the word, what you just sent me, right? as a matter of fact. We were doing some horoscopes earlier, and they didn't uh, have Scorpio up there, which is, is my deal, November 7th. Uh, this this was my uh, horoscope. With change comes inspiration, even when you aren't expecting it. If you open yourself up to new opportunities, your next chapter ahead can evolve in beautiful ways. Right, that's AJ? A, that's, a hell of, that's a hell of a coincidence, don't yeah. you think? I mean, it's almost like it's a very broad stroke of the brush for those each and every day. Right, that's true. Yep. <laughs> that's true, but in Tom's case... I think it might be true. A little too coincidental to be, yeah. you know, just a matter of a fact. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. For once, I think this is real. And then at the end it says, real. Amy thinks you're an asshole. Yeah. At the very true end that. it says. Catered true just that. to you. Catered true just that. to you. So it got specific <laughs> at the end. Yes. It did yeah. indeed. Amy hates you. Did it say that? Yeah. yeah. It, it absolutely Amy says it right you. there. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, our very special guest in studio, Craig Gass. He will be at New Hope Cinema Grill. Six shows Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, as a matter of fact, coming up this week. And again, if you've never been to the New Hope Cinema Grill, it's a great venue anyway. And if you've never seen Craig Gass, you're missing a ton because you will love the show starting this Friday, that as a matter a, of fact. Uh, Thursday. Thursday. Starting Thursday. Well, Thursday, yeah. actually. Yeah, Thursday. That's right. Oh, Thursday, you said, that's right. It's March That's a 30th. great room. I yeah. love that room. And I've seen Craig live several times, and he's mm-hmm. just the best. And it's all new material. I cannot wait to get to it. It's, it's the stuff that's been developing. I just did my first arena tour down in Australia two weeks ago with uh, Russell Peters, and and Mm. the material that I have is just, I'm really excited about it. I I love having new materials. So uh, cinemagrill.com for the tickets. Ladies and gentlemen, there is a man that over the weekend I watched his uh, stuff on uh, the YouTube channel, Score North, as a matter of fact. You guys do a hell of a job with that show. I I really like that stuff you put up on there, Phil, with our, our, our special guest, uh, I did. I watched quite a bit of it. You guys do a hell of a job with that. Was it just me bitching about Kirk Cousins for like a half hour? <laughs> that's nice. about right. That's you just, you just, exactly just stumbled into videos of me complaining about Minnesota sports teams. Yeah, just much. another day, <laughs> Phil. Just another day. Yeah. By the way, my uh, I just looked at my horoscope. So I'm a, I'm a Taurus here. And uh, uh, it says, today is a terrific day for you, Taurus. You finally seem to have a grasp on your thought processes and inner emotions. That's great. It took oh. me 37 years. I now have a grasp on my thought process <laughs> yes. and inner emotion. There's, it says uh, you'll feel extra sensitive and loving today, and people will be drawn out uh, to you because of it. So if oh, you guys how? feel a gravitational pull toward me, it's because I'm sending the love back into the universe, apparently. Not vague and uh, not vague at all, AJ. I think you're, I think you're on. That was really no. specific. I think we're all physically attracted to you right yeah, now. Yeah, I, I had that yeah. weird tingle when he joined the, the <laughs> street too. yard room, me so I, that must yeah. be what it is. It says yes. that you will actually blow your nose 14 times on Sunday night because of some oddly specific uh, uh, cold or infection. That's weird. Okay. Also happened. I'm huh? staring at you through your window right now. You <laughs> are perfect. Your perfect. testicles are dangling outside of your robe as well. <laughs> Just like Rodney. Uh, <laughs> hey, he's Jewish. You can't, by the way, you can't. <laughs> and he's a legend, you know, you know far be it for me to criticize uh, one of the great comedy legends, but you got to wear something underneath your robe, right? Yeah. I mean, quick poll of the room here. Are you a wear something or nothing underneath your robe guy or gal? Well, I got to wear something. Yeah. Being the only gal here, I'm, I'm insisting. 
Yeah. I yeah. saw one of Amy's testicles yeah. hanging out. Yeah. 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 It was Unbelievable. Good. I would say I would say it'd probably be a little more jarring yeah. if I saw one of Amy's testicles hanging out. Of her room. Oh what my a, god! What a sweet show this is. That's all I have That's to adorable. say. Adorable. It reminds no me of. Uh, do you guys ever seen that road trip movie where uh, the grandpa takes some Viagra and then knocks over a lamp when he, uh, when he stands up in the chair? <laughs> Yeah. Now you're talking. <laughs> now you're talking. So, yeah, so, I, I just anyway, wanted to say, again, and I'll move on, but I, I did watch uh, you and Judd on uh, on your YouTube channel, and, and I thought you guys did a hell of a job. But, I, again, I do like it when people uh, complain about the local teams because they're a pain in the ass. Can I give you – I feel like this tur- just turns into me griping. It's, it's actually therapeutic for me to do this with you because I can just, like, unleash my, uh, my gripe. So – I don't know how much you guys have been watching uh, the NCAA tournament or like this weekend, the Minnesota State Boys High School Basketball Tournament was going on at Target Center. So you had mm-hmm. like YZ and Park Center, all these schools. And I feel like the whole weekend was just a referendum on how embarrassing the Gopher men's basketball program has become. <laughs> oh, God, yes. Oh, they won God. like two games all year in conference. Uh, and, they're, and and by the way, on the women's side, they basically fired Lindsey Whalen, which we talked about a few weeks ago. But mm-hmm. this weekend, you had multiple kids in the Minnesota State High School Basketball Tournament carrying their teams. Right, These are Minnesota homegrown stars. One of them is Nolan Winter. Nolan Winter is the son of two former Gopher athletes, Trevor Winter, who played on the Final Four team from 25 years ago. Uh, and then his wife was a Gopher volleyball player. He scored 20-plus points in all these tournament games for Lakeville. You know where he just committed to? Wisconsin. The son of two former Gopher athletes. On the college basketball side, you have uh, one of the Final Four teams is San Diego State. So the Gophers, by the way, I don't know if they're going to fire their current coach. They'll probably give him another year. But but Brian Dutcher is the son of former Gopher basketball coach Jim Dutcher, who you probably remember more than I do. Uh, and he's he's now taking a team from San Diego to the Final Four. He was born in Minnesota, went to the U of M, and we can't keep any of these people inside the state borders. So, don't you think it's time for that athletic director to go? He's got to go. He's done nothing. By the way, he's sitting courtside because he's on the the tournament committee. So he's like right. when they pan courtside at these Elite Eight games, he's Mark Coyle's just sitting there, hopefully taking copious notes. By the way, on what uh, you know an Elite Eight and Final Four team looks like. I saw this this morning too. So uh, Miami made the Final Four for the first time in program history, in part because they've organized, you know, you can pay college athletes now, right? As of like Mm -hmm. two or three years ago. Mm -hmm. So Miami has organized $2.2 million in payments for their basketball program, including $800,000 for their uh, their best transfer guard, Nigel Pack. Meanwhile, the Gophers are trying to figure out, like, should we put a lemonade stand up in Dinky Town? <laughs> you know what? Do, wait, there's a college what? kid making $800,000 playing yes. basketball? Yes. I didn't know that. I saw an interview with Barkley last night talking about how money is going to ruin all the college sports. Yep, I and saw that. Yeah, it's going to turn it into that. just like a sub-professional league at some point, right? Wow. So is I mean, it going even, to be even guys top? like Nick Saban, Alabama coach, are out there openly talking about how, oh, it's great that our new quarterback got a million dollars from some, you know, wow. I don't know, some car wash in Tuscaloosa. Well, I have a question for everybody. Isn't this going to take the top 20 teams and they're going to win everything? Right? If they're paying for it, they're going to win everything. You can't yeah, compete but, but with why that. Can't, but like, I guess my question is, it's like the University of Minnesota has kind of figured out, oh, it's been a few years now. We should maybe organize a plan to 
to get five bucks for our power forward so he doesn't transfer to, you know, some other school. Right. It's just, it, it, and that's your, as an athletic director, I feel like that is your primary job now is it can't just be about, this is a great campus and you're going to get a scholarship to learn things. That's great. Uh, where's my $500,000 actually? Where's my, where's my Maserati? That's Phil, what I'm really interested Phil, in. Phil, I got a question. Do you get access to players on these teams that you cover? Yes, like media credentials and yes, yeah. Um, do you find it tough because I've been doing radio not as long as Tom and not in the position of, of as, uh, same position that Tom is, but I've done a lot of radio in my life and I always find that athletes are the toughest people to get original content from. Do you find that as well? Especially today, because if you think about it, you know, up until like 10 years ago when Instagram became prominent and for decades, athletes needed third-party media to get a message out, right? Exactly if you're, what if you're, you're going to say. Yeah, mm-hmm. pissed about something, you need you needed the newspaper 15, 20, 30, 40 right. years ago. You needed Sid Hartman to to publicize your thoughts on something. Now, I mean, if Kevin Durant wants to, Charles Barkley was ripping Kevin Durant on 60 Minutes last night too, yep. which is hilarious. And Kevin Durant can just go to his Twitter account with you know 10 million followers or whatever. So yeah, I mean, they're I think they're so scared to say or do anything that isn't controlled through their own, you know, communication pipelines that, yes, they've all just become sort of PR trained, if you will. Yeah, I, I go to the Super Bowl every year, and I, I interview the players at the Super Bowl every year, and I've learned over time to not introduce myself as a comedian because when I say, hey, I'm Craig, I'm a stand-up comedian, they <laughs> always, almost 100% of the time, will go, oh, boy. And I'll be like, no, 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 I'm not... <laughs> I'm, I'm not that guy. kind of comedian. I'm not that kind of comedian. And I and I really had to get creative with players to try to get something out of them. And then it's, um, you know, especially when it's people who get talked to all the time. Like with Tom yeah. Brady, when I would see Tom Brady every year at the Super Bowl, it would just be, Tom, you're so handsome. Like, like, <laughs> like, like Tom, when you look in the mirror, does your reflection ever just wink at you? Like, is it is it that awesome? And then if you can get him to laugh... It'll probably end up on ESPN, which is an accomplishment, even if they don't credit you. But, but with a guy like Tom Brady, who's always at the Super Bowl, it, it, it became like, well, now what do I ask him? I already got a funny moment with him. And I started doing this thing where I said, Tom, my name's Craig. I'm a stand-up comedian. This is my buddy Jason. That's my buddy Aaron. We were discussing the four of us together as a group. And we were ranking the four of us uh, from most handsome to least handsome. Obviously, you're number one because you're Tom Brady. But Tom, who would you rank as number two? And I pointed at myself. Uh, number three and number four. And Tom Brady actually said, wait, who am I ranking? And I said, uh, me and this guy and this guy over here. And he goes, all right, fan out. And I went, what? what? Oh, okay. And we all started to fan out. And I didn't do this intentionally, but subconsciously... <laughs> I started sucking in my gut for Tom Brady yeah. to, to, to look to look more handsome for Tom Brady, but I, I think that where at least rank me in the top three, rank me in the top three, please. Yeah. please, please. Yeah, and I think what you're doing it, it really hits a nerve, especially for a guy like Nick Swartzen, who's as crazy as I am about sports, yes. and and I and I understand the appeal of of. Um, of being a super fan uh, in in a city that has had great teams and and uh, and the frustration uh, of being a super fan and I just think that when you get the actual players though it can be it can be like pulling teeth trying to get something original well, it, for your podcast and it takes them a second right like when you're when you're in front of Tom Brady and like the, the Super Bowl week 
those guys are at least prepared for, okay, some, there's going to be three or four people that are looking to do something stunty or wacky. But Correct. But if, if there's like, if it's 10 straight football questions, right, what's it like to be back at your sixth Super Bowl? Right. What are you going to do schematically against the Eagles? And then you come along with something different. They almost have to do a double or triple take. Like, wait, are we, oh, are we, we're having fun. This is outside the walls of our public relations right. Uh, mm. courses, right? Right. <laughs> and do you ever go that angle with, with players? Do you ever try to get try to do something fun with them to, or do you ever try to strategize how you're going to get something unique from a player? You know, it's, I'll even, I'll answer it this way too. Now that, so most of the stuff we do is, is on YouTube and you can see the analytics in what types of content perform well, what doesn't. Mm. And generally people don't want to hear from guests that are athletes unless, unless they get it right. Unless they're fun, unless they can kind of weave themselves into the fun fabric of the show. No one really wants to hear a, an athlete or a coach come on and answer, you know, 12 minutes of sports questions. Because you can, yeah. how, how oversaturated is that? Where you get the pregame interviews, postgame interviews. Now they're, they're interviewing, I saw one of these March Madness games. They interviewed one of the coaches at like the eight minute timeout in the first half. And he's just grumpy, like, why am I, you know, why am I doing this? I'm in the middle of an Elite Eight game. And then they interviewed him five minutes later going into the locker room. Like, we, we know what they think about basketball. So if you're going to do an athlete interview to what you're saying, it has to be outside the box or fun or get them to show some side of their personality or, you know, get, get them to laugh or something. A hundred percent. Do you, and do you find, I was going to say, I've heard that hockey guys are always the best. Is that, is that true? Hockey guys? Yeah. Hockey guys. I think hockey guys are almost like stuck in college until they're 40. And so AJ's nodding. He's a hockey guy, <laughs> you know, and they're a little bit, you know, like they, a lot, a lot of them, they'll go, they'll, even like their last year in high school, they'll go play on a junior team up in Canada or something, and they're just like living with some random family. Right. They're just right. like well-cultured, traveled, and kind of immature. And, uh, and so they just have these wacky – and baseball players are kind of the same way because a lot of them, they, they, they really like stop schooling when they're 17 years old, and they just like go play baseball with all of their frat buddies. Um, the basketball and football players tend to be more polished because they come up through kind of an AAU pipeline right. and mm -hmm. they have handlers from the time they're 16, 17, 18 years old. I'm so. feeling bad that I'm stepping on Tom's show and asking. Like, I think <laughs> no, Tom, no, no, not at all. Not at all. I just got to, Phil's got to go. Tom's, in a Tom's of napping on the couch with his robe wide open. Knocking over lamps. I feel like Tom would like these questions more if I was doing them as Tracy Morgan. No, 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 no. I like you ever have sex with a hockey stick? <laughs> <laughs> That's sexy as hell. Which end of the stick? <laughs> Ouch! Jesus! Ow. All right, Phil. I know you got to go, Pally. But we will talk to you later in the week, sir. All right, guys. All right. Thanks, Phil. Thanks, Thanks Phil. Phil, with us, ladies and gentlemen. Hell of a nice guy. There's a. He works with another guy named uh, Judd Zelligan. Just a great, great guy. A couple of really, really nice guys. I had never met them before a month ago. I had never met them before they came on the very first show, and uh, we became like instant friends. They're both really, really good people, and, and they do have a YouTube uh, channel. You should check that out because they do a great job covering sports on there. And then, of course, uh, Score North, big, big deal. They've got a huge um, podcast called Purple Daily, another one called yeah. The Mackie and Judd Show. Phil's been a friend of mine for many years. He's so talented. They both are. Why is he a friend of yours, then? <laughs> Why? Why do I even do this? Why? 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 This is why. You know, why I, I spent I like 35 years in this business successfully avoiding you, Tom. 
And That's now, true. now I have to spend time with you. It's painful. That's very, very true. You're a disaster, Bernard. Tom, Tom's, pulling, Tom's pulling the old Rodney like, yeah, look, it's my Amy. I love her. She's the best. She's no prize. <laughs> she's no prize. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm still waving. Yeah, yeah. Just waving. Yeah, she's no prize. <laughs> <laughs> she's oh no prize. God, so funny. I think it's all magnificent. That's all I'm saying. I just, uh, like I said, it, it, it's one of those times, again, I'm, I'm looking down. It's 9.38 on a Monday morning. I'm looking down. I've had an absolute ball. There's like 20 minutes left to go in the show. But I just, again, we were talking about, but you didn't say I'm a victim, all the rest of it. I changed jobs after 37 years. And every day I go, my God, did I get lucky. I, seriously, people can be, oh, my God, they were mean to me. and blah, blah, blah. Well, they're not here, so what do I give a rat's ass? Right. It worked out great. Yeah, the this, best revenge is living well. Yep. The, the stories I always heard uh, coming in was, was very intimidating. As a radio guy who wants uh, – um, I'm a comedian, so doing voices, I know I'll get along with radio guys, but I, I, I have to make that first entrance. I need to be introduced to somebody. And the stories about Tom were very intimidating. Uh, Tom, oh, that guy's uh, that guy's dominated. You know, he's he, mm-hmm. you got a, he's got the show. If you want to, and then you're you're intimidated by the stories that you hear about a guy who's friends with all the greatest comedians right? who ever lived. And I couldn't believe how easy it was to do the show once we started talking. Yeah. And yep. you're like me that you love hearing a good story and you love telling a good story. And that's uh, been my favorite thing of doing stand-up comedy for 30 years now. By the way, my first roommate in New York is from here. Uh, Mitch Hedberg was oh, my, sure. my first roommate. Yep. He's from um, St. Paul. And um, I reached out to his dad about uh, coming out to his show this weekend. Loved Mitch. Did you ever uh, know Mitch at all? Mm, I did not know Mitch because apparently Mitch did not like my show. Oh, you told me that before. Yeah, apparently he didn't care for the show. As a matter of fact, I booked him once. He came on on the phone, and after uh, he hung up, one of the people on the show said that was not Mitch Hedberg. Oh wow! Wow, really? Yeah, he sent somebody else to do because the guy wasn't funny. That was the major. Problem. That was it. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, it does. That does happen. I mean, Mitch had a lot of problems with mm-hmm. you know abuse and all the rest of it. It's a very very sad story. I thought he was hilarious. Absolutely hilarious. But he was also miserable, which is just that, that was hard to watch cuz I did go see him even though he didn't care for me at all. I went and saw him a couple of times and you could just tell even though he would felt you know, he was in his own world on stage, once in a while he'd walk out and you just tell that he was just miserable. It was sad. He, uh, did you know Mitch, Amy? I did not. Oh, um, Mitch passed away 18 years ago this week. Uh, In fact, I think it was... I know his name. Um, He was, I always tell people, he was the most well put together person I've ever met in my life. He only had one flaw, and that flaw killed him. Uh, Drug addiction. He loved uh, excess... Um, uh, he loved decadence and, and once he started getting into really heavy, heavy drugs, he, um, uh, it it got its claws in him, but man, that guy was so unique and so funny. And I just always remember the first night I met him, 
I was living in Seattle. I was a new comedian. I was only a couple years into it. And there were some comedians that would come to town and you'd hear, oh man, this, this guy. It was before the internet. You would just hear reputations would precede somebody. Oh, sure. Uh, yeah, oh, sure. man. You know, Pat Oswald. Yeah, you got to watch this. When he comes into town, you got to watch. You, Doug Stanhope. Man, you you got to watch that guy. That guy's like, oh, man, Mitch Hedberg. And, and I heard so much hype about Mitch Hedberg that I campaigned to be his opening act. And when he showed up, I got the gig. I got to open for him. And I introduced myself to him. And the show was sold out. And Mitch got up on stage after my set. And he said, all right, Thomas, Thomas, where where are you at, Thomas? And Tom was a friend of his that he grew up with here named Tom Klein. And he said, Mm -hmm. Thomas, where are you at? And then in the back of the room, this guy goes, I'm I'm over here. There's no seats left. I can't, I don't have any place to sit. And he goes, well, just somebody make room for Thomas. Or you know what? Screw it. Tom, come up here and sit on this stool. <laughs> on the stage. And everyone just went dead silent, and you heard a guy working his way through this sold-out crowd going, sorry, excuse me, sorry, excuse me, sorry, excuse me, sorry, excuse me. And this guy, Thomas, gets up on stage and turns around, and as soon as he turns around, the whole crowd started laughing because nobody knew who the hell this guy Thomas was, but everyone could see that this guy is high as shit when he turned around. (laughs) (laughs) He was super, super stoned, and he had a leather jacket on, I'll never forget this, with a button. It wasn't an official logo that you buy from Spencer's. It was a homemade button that he had typed the word motorhead on a piece of paper and made a button out of it. <laughs> and he sits down and Mitch goes, all right, well, my name's Mitch and these are my jokes. And he started going into his set. And Mitch had this unique delivery that took audiences a moment to kind of figure him out. Right. And right. so his first line sits for a second. There's a beat. And the crowd starts laughing. And Mitch starts going into his next joke when Thomas understood what just happened with the first joke. And Thomas starts laughing (laughs) at the joke that was just said a minute ago. And he starts laughing, which makes Mitch go, ha ha, hell yeah. And then the crowd laughed another time. (laughs) And that became the rhythm of the show that Mitch would tell a joke, the audience would laugh, Thomas would think about it for a second, then he'd start laughing, then Mitch would start laughing at Thomas, and the whole crowd would laugh again. And every joke he did had one, two, three, four waves of laughter. It was one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen in my life. We became friends that night, and then I ended up, um, uh, when I needed a place to stay in New York, he let me stay with him when I first got out there. And he was one of the nicest people I've ever met in my life, and I, I love him and miss him terribly. Died at, died at so. 37. Mm-hmm. 37, 37 years old. Was making $50,000 a night doing stand-up by the time he died. Mm-hmm. They called him at one point in his Wikipedia that uh, they expected him to be the next Seinfeld. That was the expectation. He, he was Letterman's favorite comedian. Although it's funny, Tom just pointed out something. I don't know if you've ever seen this, uh, but it's to Tom's point. Um, there was one time that Tom, that uh, Mitch came out to do Letterman, and I'm sure you can look this up, where he looked a little bloated, yep. uh, he was a little off, and his set did not click that night, 
And then they go to commercial, they come back, and Letterman goes through all the guests and says, I want to thank uh, Tom Cruise for coming in. I also want to thank uh, so-and-so, uh, get his book, and also comedian Mitch Hedberg. And the audience applauds. And Dave looks over at Paul Schaefer and goes, uh, Paul, you think... Uh, you think we should do an intervention on Mitch? And the crowd exploded oh, with laughter. Oh. And I was like, oh. Eek. Yeah. Yikes. The crowd, that was the biggest response. Yep. Ugh. And that, that, when you love somebody and you see that happening, it's like, oh, man. Yeah. yeah. No, no. You know what? I have never told this story on the air, ever, because I just thought of respect for the people involved. But Mitch Hedberg died all those years ago. And uh, the next day, and I never answer my phone if I don't know who's calling. If I look at it, it's just a number. I do not answer my phone because it's just a headache, right? Well, my phone's ringing, and I, for some reason, I answered the phone. And it was Mitch Hedberg's mother the day after he died. Mary. And she said, Tom, I was wondering if you could do something for the family. It would be quite an honor. Could you come and appear um, at my son's funeral because I think it would be, you know, you, you talk about him on your show a lot, about how much you enjoy his work and all the rest of it, and I think it would be quite an honor if if you would do that and come and attend my son's funeral. I said, oh, God, that would be quite the honor. And so we hang up, and I'm thinking for about a half an hour, she has no idea that Mitch doesn't like me. Mm. <laughs> he apparently never told her that he didn't care for me at all, right? About a half an hour later, I got the, ah, uh, never mind. <laughs> really? Oh, that is wow, funny. She was so sweet. Uh, yeah, his mother was just very, very sweet, but she didn't know that Mitch didn't care for me. But apparently somebody pointed it out, so that's good. They got to her. You know what's funny? I had a, I had a similar situation happen when a musician passed away, and I was asked if I would like to speak sure. at his memorial and kind of yep. run the memorial by introducing all the different people who wanted to speak. And I said, uh, and I just gave an excuse. But the reality was, and this person who invited me didn't know this, that guy and I had a very uncomfortable run-in once <laughs> on the air when we were, we were doing a radio show. And I walked in the studio a little bit late, and a bunch of musicians are in the studio. And my buddy says, oh, we're being joined right now by Gene Simmons from KISS. And I just immediately went into, that's right, I'm looking around this table. <laughs> Look at all Love these it. great musicians. And I pointed at this guy, who is the guy that I'm talking about, and I said, you know why I like your band? I'll tell you why. Because everybody steals from KISS. Let's face it, okay? You know it, I know it, everybody <laughs> steals from KISS. But when you steal from KISS, you put your own stamp on it. And that's why I respect you. And the guy looked at me and said, how would you like it if I shoved my fist through your mouth right now? And I went, Ooh, wow. I don't think you understand comedy. <laughs> and, oh, yeah. and we just left it at that. But my God, oh. that, is, that is really incredible. It's, um, and it bums me out to know that you and Mitch would have gotten along and um, and that you guys never had a chance to to really meet each other. Well, I think uh, it is true that I would have gotten along with it. But but that was a time, to tell you the truth, it was a, we had the highest rated morning show in America. 
Yeah. I mean, it was the show was had the thirty some share was huge, and, and some people just resented the hell out of that. They can just, I just explain to yeah. you what Tom just said when he says he had a thirty share? In other words, thirty percent of the market, thirty uh, percent of the radios on in this city are listening to Tom. When Howard Stern says that he was the king of radio in New York, he had a, at his peak, he had a six share of the market in New York. Six percent of the radios in New York were tuned to Howard, which is considered a huge share. Tom had a 30 share, which is unheard of in radio. It's unheard of. And um, so, yes, I can understand. I, I, I absolutely understand. Hey, Tom, let's take a quick break. Before we don't end. tell me how to do it. We only uh, got one break it. left. Just if you do it. Right if you missed any part of this interview, go to kissonline.com. <laughs> we'll charge you $39.95. Sure, you can go to New Hope Cinema Grill and go see a comedy show, but wouldn't you rather meet me in the back for $19.95? <laughs> go to kissonline.com and click on my codpiece. I'll meet you behind the New God Hope Cinema. We shall take a break. Be right back. A few minutes left in the show right after this. Craig Gass, still with us, man. We love it. Go to kissonline.com. Hello, I'm Brad Huckle, President and Chief Lending Officer at North American Banking Company. And I'm Mike Bilski, CEO at North American Banking Company, Bradley's partner. As a locally owned and operated community bank, we work with a lot of multi-generational, family-owned businesses. Take Raymond Auto Body of St. Paul, for example. Four generations of the Slomkowski family having successfully run the business. When they were ready to expand, we helped them acquire a new building, allowing them to service more vehicles in their state-of-the-art shop. We've also helped them set up the next generation of owners, keeping the business and family for years to come. Tom here. If you want a family business like me or any business, you should be banking with Brad and Mike over at North American Banking Company. I know them and trust them with my banking. Every time I deal with them or their team, I know I'm working with experienced professional bankers. Sounds like we really won you over, Tommy. Well, let's not get crazy, Brad. Seriously. Why not bank with my banker, North American Banking Company, a better banking experience member, FDIC, and equal housing lender. Lowe's MVP's bonus days are back for pros. Right now, buy a DeWalt 20-volt max power stack battery two-pack at $199 and get a select DeWalt Bear tool free. Plus, earn three times the bonus points on all Metabo HPT tools and products. Shop even more savings and bonus points offers during MVP's bonus days at Lowe's. Bonus points calculated before taxes and fees after applicable discounts if any. About 320 through 331. Subject to change. Selection varies by location. While supplies last. Discount taken at time of purchase. Visit Lowe's.com slash MVP's bonus points for details. Right now, MyPillow has a massive closeout sale happening on their all-season slippers. Listeners continually make the MySlippers the number one selling MyPillow product, and I have a feeling you'll want to stock up now when you hear this offer. When you use my promo code TOM, T-O-M, you'll get the all-season slippers for $25, regularly $149.98. That's over $120 in savings. Limited to 10 pairs at checkout. These will sell out. Trust me on that one. My slippers have an exclusive four-layer design that you won't find in any other slipper. The patented layers make these slippers ultra comfortable and extremely durable. They help relieve stress on your feet, and you can wear them anytime, anywhere. They also come in a ton of additional sizes and all new colors. Just go to MyPillow.com and click on the radio listener square to grab a pair of the all-season slippers for only 25 bucks. Regularly priced at $149.98. Limited to 10 pairs at checkout. Enter promo code TOM, T-O-M, for this incredible offer. They won't last long, so order now. This is the Tom Bernard Morning Show Podcast. We're back, ladies and gentlemen. AJ, um, 
just one thing I wanted to point out to you that uh, I, I figured the flow of the show has gone very, very well because Amy even talks over the music as it's playing. So that's good. Oh, you're hilarious. That's <laughs> again. No, they you, they couldn't hear her over the over the the, the air. That was no, in the background. No, right? that was just in, in cue. I was just making sure levels were good while uh, before we came back. Absolutely. So she's not a disaster. No, just, she, nice try, Tom. Nice try. I would, I would never sabotage asking... Amy like that. No, AJ's my friend. I'm just By the way, so is Craig. Here. You not as much. <laughs> nope, it's not working for you me. You know, of all the years that I've been in this town and in this business, I have mm. not. You and I have known each other for exactly what four weeks? Yeah, a month. well, a couple months, I guess. <laughs> a couple months, yeah, yeah I mentioned before. Months, but I the successfully only... avoided you for a very long time. By the way, those well, are the moments when you describe Amy talking and, and that maybe the audience was listening. Those are the moments I would live for as a listener is to be able to hear. Oh, yeah. Anyways, oh, yeah. that's how I got herpes. And we're back. <laughs> and, and we're, we're back. back. <laughs> we're back, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> no, to tell you the truth, uh, honestly, God, Craig, and, and AJ already knows this, the only reason I like Amy is because her voice is almost identical to my mother's. Is that right? Yeah, she sounds a lot. She had my mother had this. My mother's voice was a little deeper, but she had that that kind of cool raspiness. God, I just said that Amy was cool. God, you know, why? Yeah, I don't know. Your strategy's do do going that? all wrong here, Tom. Really? I don't is. know. You know, I don't know how to help you. You just keep ruining nobody it for does. yourself. I, nobody does. You're incorrigible. Just a tough two days for you. Friday, you said Brittany was right, and you said that was oh. like the first time you ever said that, and now you said Amy's oh, cool? God. Like, what is What is going, going wrong, Tom? It's terrible. <laughs> I'm falling apart. You know what's funny, though? When you said how intimidated you were or how, you know, how intimidating Tom's success was and is, I remember when I, I literally first met you about five months ago. And I remember being on the way there, just thinking, oh, God, I don't know if I'm going to like this guy. You know, I, I, maybe I will, maybe I won't, but I was a little bit nervous. And I just thought, you know, I think I'm just going to try and just listen. And then Tom and I'm, AJ, I want you to take this out of the final product when I say it. Okay. I, kind of, I kind of love Tom. I kind of oh, love him. He's kind of there, he's go. kind of lovable, isn't he, AJ? That's the dirty little secret. It's going to be like four seconds of silence right there. Okay, thank you. Podcast, <laughs> thank you. No, modern technology. I love no, it. No, same here. When I when I had uh, over there, like fall-ish, kind of early mm-hmm. early uh, winter, I filled in on the family podcast while uh, Andy was down in Florida, and oh, right. you know I had people kind of reaching out like, hey, you know, he's he's a big personality. He could be intimidating. Even my dad, who listened Tom to you for years when I was a kid, just I'm in his back seat. He's got that uh, tune into the morning show. He's like, hey, you got to go in there and be ready. But then I, I get here and I'm like, you know, oh, God, I'm so nervous. I'm so nervous. I walk in. I'm like, this can't be the place. And I start walking back down the hallway and you pop your head out. AJ. Hey, it's Tom. <laughs> and then five minutes later, I mean, we are in a deep conversation. Um, and it was like it was like we were friends already. It was awesome. AJ points out something that was the first thing I noticed, too, which was, man, this guy's voice starts at the bottom of his Ish, balls. Right? <laughs> that are hanging that. out of his robe. <laughs> I'm wearing it right now. Great. <laughs> That's a great visual for all of us. We're talking. Oh, you're just a big sweetheart. You I are. still don't understand why some people think that I'm going to punch them or something. I, I've never understood why people think that I would just be mean to somebody I don't even know. I don't know. I, um, the voice um, 
uh, is intimidating to see coming out of a, a man's body and be like, good Lord, how do you right. get a voice like that? <laughs> right. I just remember thinking like, I wish I, like as a voiceover guy, like, man. That guy must get a lot of voiceovers. <laughs> <laughs> used to back in the day before uh, they decided to get political on me, and yeah. that was the end of that. So you yeah. know, yeah. no, it uh, that that was yet another one of those things that. You know, look, I was born and raised in Minnesota. I love Minnesota, but there are some people in Minnesota that are the worst human beings I have ever met. Yeah, they're that old, you know, right. passive aggressive bullshit. I hate passive aggressive people. I like it when you are so aggressive that you have to be passive just to catch up. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's math. I don't think I could do. <laughs> yeah, that's um, true. But Tom, Difficult. you. I mean, the beauty of it is, yes, you have this big voice, but you really. I mean, when I finally did meet you, and I know AJ, you feel the same. It's just. He's, despite all evidence to the contrary, he's just a big softy. Candy ass, that's what I am. And a pain <laughs> in the ass on top of it. Total pain in the yeah. ass, no question about it. Ladies and gentlemen, Craig Gass in studio. Where have you been to her? Local shows at uh, New Hope Cinema Grill, March 30th, 31st, April 1st, April 2nd. Uh, that's pretty damn cool, man. Yeah, I, I love the fact that you came to town so early. Oh, yeah. Uh, it, it's a great idea. To, you know, when you get time to do that, do you do that often, go in maybe a day early if you've never been in the town just to get to know the town? Well, I'll come in early, and I'll, I will I want to connect with friends as soon as I get in. And then um, yep. uh, I want to do TV, put my stuff out there, let people know that I'm here. Uh <laughs> Spoon feed to people why they why they should know me. I, I ran into Chappelle a couple months ago, and he thought this was hilarious. Uh, Chappelle was telling me about how he um, he loves that he doesn't have to do radio. I like doing radio, but I was telling mm-hmm. him, you know, Dave. Not only do I do radio, but I find myself doing radio and going, okay. <clears throat> do you like King of Queens? Okay, remember the guy that did the well okay that was me all right now okay do you like sex in the city you do okay remember the guy <laughs> that was me too and yeah. then it, over time uh, the audience starts to go oh that okay, guy. Yeah. Oh, i remember that guy yeah let's go see him but yeah so your shows are great it is um, such yep. a great time well i'm really proud of where it's at now because uh, a lot of things have happened, um, you know, tough things. Lost my mom six mm. months ago. Oh, and sorry to hear that. so sorry. much material from that has worked its way in, you know, that uh, was, you know, bittersweet. Um, but, uh, you know, my mom was, uh, mom's a big gossip, you know, loves gossip. And, um, and I am... This is a part of a much longer story, but I am not joking when I say that um, the day before she passed away on November 9th, I was getting texts from friends saying, you need to find a moment, uh, make sure you say something, you know, and I, and I thought, well, what should I say? Or should I ask her a question if she comes up? Like if she's, if I get a moment to have one more conversation? And on November 9th, the day before she passed away, she opened her eyes looked at me and waved me over to the bed. And again, my mother's deaf. I walked over and I signed, what's wrong? And I'm quoting. (laughs) This would end up being the last thing my mother ever said to me. She said, did you see that? 
Tom Brady and Giselle are getting divorced. (laughs) 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 That was the last thing she ever said to me. Yeah, come out to New Hope and hear all the stories. So thank uh, you, Craig. Cinemagrill.com. Great having you in studio. Thanks, everybody. Talk to you tomorrow. Thank you, Tom.